0: Hello, hello! Welcome back to Big Fat Five. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and this week's guest is Johnny Scott. Johnny is a badass session player for both the studio and the stage, who's played with two of my favorite artists, The Kills and Churches. He's one of the go-to drummers when a band is looking to start adding a live drummer element after years without. You can trust him to do the job and bring the song to life in the most musical way possible. I look up to Johnny in a lot of ways, and it was an honor to chat with him. So please enjoy learning about what made Johnny Johnny. Cheers. So the first time I saw you live was, I believe, in 2017. You were playing the Cal Jam Festival with the Kills. Oh yeah. And so I, I've always been a huge fan of Jamie and Allison's uh, songwriting, but can you explain how you do your setup live for them?
1: Yeah, sure. So. With them, you know, obviously they started just with a drum machine and the two of them. And that kind of morphed into this uh, drum core thing that we did, which was like four of us standing up with floor toms and a snare, just like doing all these choreographed moves, like kind of part of the set. Almost. And it looked really cool and it really worked sonically, it added this kind of weight. Um, then they went away and did their ash and ice record and they had a bunch of like live drums on it and they asked me to do it live so the way i worked it out was i mean pretty simple just all the all their drum machine tracks on ableton like really simple ableton track just you know stereo drum tracks and i literally just played over the top of them and <laughs> um, there really wasn't much else to it like it's uh it sounds ridiculous, but uh, that's that's how we did it, because we couldn't really break out any of the stems. I think they'd lost the stems for a lot of the records, so we only had these stereo tracks, so it was the only option. You know, those sounds are so integral to, well, to the sound of the band, you know, I couldn't, like, just replace them with live kit. So it was a matter of me making sure I was, like, super tight with <laughs> the samples and no triggering, no nothing, just, like, straight up, play over the top. Easy. <clears throat> there was a couple of tracks uh I can't remember which ones now my memory's so bad but there was one I had to recreate so I just found a bunch of maestro samples and like reprogrammed it and then played over the top of it. uh but yeah I mean I use a lot of triggers with, with churches like everything's triggered um you know we do have tracks but I keep like any sort of stereo information with a lot of like movement <clears throat> you know High hat parts modulating parts will stay in and then i'm triggering all the kicks snares toms whatever extra little claps and things i'm trying to do like everything myself as much as possible
0: do you do you still use those simmons pads
1: yeah i do <laughs> how's your left <laughs> hand feeling <laughs> it's it's feeling it's actually feeling okay um i got a new tech on this tour and she got like you know those like sound off pads you get for practicing. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. like really neatly cut them into little hexagons and stuck them on, like spray glued them on, and they feel really nice to play now, and they trigger okay, and like.
0: So, like, if you were to like feel it, it's like ribbed a little bit.
1: Yeah, so it's like you know, it's got like little padding on it because before the Simmons pads are like what? It's just a bit of plywood with like a tiny little thin layer of vinyl on them. <laughs> they like... look,
0: they look cool for sure, but yeah, they're not made for feel.
1: Oh, horrible. Yeah, yeah. They don't, feel, I, yeah, my wrists were absolutely hammered after like the last campaign. It was so bad. I mean, we're, we're two shows deep now and it's feeling okay. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like playing on like a tabletop or something.
1: Uh huh. Exactly. So this one
0: is more of a question for me because a lot of the bands I, I do play with, I'm I am the drummer. They never play without me, but I'm not in the band do you, is that, is that a role that you appreciate and kind of like that you don't have to do the interviews that you're in? You're basically, I mean, when I think of churches, Johnny, you're there, you know, but I mean, how do you navigate that? I guess.
1: I definitely appreciate not having to do all the press stuff because I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I am a super nervous, anxious, socially anxious person. <laughs> so it really suits me. Like I, I love playing the music and like being on the records and just you know I, I, they're probably doing like five interviews right now do you know what i mean uh whereas i generally get to just i mean i'm in austin i'll go and like i don't know see some bats or something whatever. <laughs> 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 yeah so that yeah I, I love that it's uh it's everything feels a lot more relaxed and easy i think yeah so you works worse at festivals as well like i was yeah. with the kills as well i always found that like they were always like oh my god they're like constantly getting driven around everywhere and having to do all these things and i'm just like chilling on the bus or whatever it's yeah. nice.
0: before we get into your top five i did because you are kind of i mean you're, you're you're so good at being that drummer to bring into a band that we have a record it sounds rad it has a style we want you to come in and dissect what to do on the drums and you did kind of Talk about it a little bit with the kills and how you, you know, would just play on top of it. And with churches, it's different. You do more triggering. But how, how, what is your process on when you listen to a song and think of what I'm going to take out, what I'm going to leave in, what I'm going to make sound different live? Just, you know, because sometimes you want that. You want it to be a different thing. How do you do that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the hard part, I think. of uh, Sorry. Um, that's the hard part. Of the job really is trying to map it out in my head really so um with the last church's record i knew it really well before we started putting the live show together because i played on almost all of it oh, um right. so and to be honest there's not a lot this tracks that i played on there aren't a lot of other things on there it's pretty much there might be like some hi hat loops and like a clap sample or something so it was super easy for me to to you know, translate that because it was almost exactly the way it was on the record. I guess the, mm-hmm. the challenge was like for the, for the earlier records, especially the second album, which has no live drums at all. I played on the first record. So there's a few songs where there's a blend. Second record, it's nothing. So it's, you know, I was trying to work out a way to blend it. So what I ended up doing was breaking out all the stems onto my Simmons pads I mm-hmm. kind of playing all the, trying to just learn all the electronic parts exactly like verbatim and like working out how to play them, which is tricky, you know, when that's, when stuff, those guys are amazing at programming drum parts, but because they're not drummers, it's really not intuitive to play. <clears throat> and, and I love that challenge of like, oh fuck, that's like really, really difficult. It doesn't sound hard, but like, you know, there'll be like hi-hats where they wouldn't normally be and like just weird shit going on. And uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would, I would work it out verbatim, maybe just on a kit break it out onto like an spd and then put it onto my Simmons pads and then try and sort of I don't know transfer that to choruses like on the live kit but still trigger and everything. That was my mm-hmm. thought process for like how hey, this is going to blend with the more live sound and stuff because Love is dead the third record had a lot of live drums on it. I didn't play on that one but it's there's a lot of live kit underneath everything. So mm-hmm. similar thing it was just like going through all the stems and being like, can I physically play that? And if I couldn't physically play that, that stays on the track just break out the snare samples, the kick samples, any claps, you know, it's like what's humanly possible. is, is how I do it.
0: Yeah. At the beginning, uh, I would always, when I would get to the point where it's like, so I can't play this on the kit yet. I would then spend a week being like, I have to be able to play it. And nowadays I'm like, you know what, just let that be in the track. I'll just do a more basic version because people want to see you grooving as opposed to like, oh, he did it exactly like the record, you know? And yeah, I I was always too hard on myself to to try too hard, if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: no, it makes loads of sense. And that's really interesting because I feel like I'm less concerned with things being exact now. And it's just, yeah, you know, it's a live show. Let things be what they'll be. You know, if I'm starting to change up parts a little bit. You know, nothing like crazy, but. I'm not so obsessed with like it has to be exact because nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I'm
0: i with you, and not to discredit him, but my 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 good friend Andrew Marshall, who plays with uh, Billy Eilish and Phineas, cool. his his Ableton setup is I mean he's playing it to a T. Anything you hear triggered, it's like if he stops playing drums, there's no rhythm track live. Oh, that's and he amazing. has it; it's all automated setup to where all of his pads will change five or six times within a song. And I'm like, to him, it's like gardening. You know, he enjoys programming. That that's probably why he does it. But to me, I'm like, I that's. <laughs> I'd rather go for a walk and then just play on top of that stuff. But it works for <laughs> yeah. him.
1: Yeah, that's quite stressful if you're triggering everything. I did that in a, like an old band of mine where I was like, this has to be like, I have to do everything. Like I'll, I'll start the tracks from a pad and stop them. Similar things, starting sequences, and it just like really stressed me out. So. I didn't want to go down that road with churches i was like I'll do some stuff on the track and just like step back
0: well it's also just it's supposed to be fun and when there's when there's less when there's less on my shoulders i can actually have a better show so in my old age of 34 i'm like ben you just got to play drums all right so let's get into your top five and i know you were apologizing last night about you know you have a few overlapping things but uh that's what you chose and I love it. So I guess I should ask you, isn't it, is it in a particular order of what you want to talk about?
1: No, not at all. I just kind of randomly pieced it together. So cool. All
0: right. So, and I'm going to preface this like I always do. I'm assuming a lot of these questions that if I were to ask you next week, they'd be different. I know mine are week to week. So your favorite drummer this week, or maybe for all time, who knows and how their overall body of work has affected you.
1: So yeah, this, I've thought about this a lot because there's so many drummers that it could be, but mm. it's Boris Williams from the cure. Um, because they are a band that I constantly go back to time and time and time again. I listen to them almost every day and he's played on all my favorite cure records. And he's just like, I think it's soaked into me. It's like mm-hmm. part of my <laughs> very being now as part. Yeah. uh, yeah, I, just, I think he's like a, a really underrated drummer. I don't really hear people talking about him much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think his parts are perfect. Um, his drum sounds awesome. Uh, obviously, the Cure songs are great. Robert Smith's songs are great. But he's just such an inventive player. And I don't know, I just, I just love his parts. And I, I love their music. So it has to be Boris, I think, when I think about it. I don't know.
0: Have you ever gotten a chance to meet him through all of your travels?
1: I have never met him. Actually, I don't really know what he's up to now because he left the band quite a long time ago. Um, the last record he played on was Wish. Uh, so, I mean, I've seen The Cure a bunch of times, and their new drummer's amazing, but new. He's been in the band for a long time, but he's great. But uh, I think purely because Boris has played on all those classic records, he's he's the one, you know. And um, there's some really odd parts. I've I've kind of like. I don't want to say ripped him off recently, but like I'm paying homage to him uh, at the end of one of our songs, uh, "How Not to Drown," which is a track we did with Robert Smith. Um, oh wow. <laughs> so well, as, we as as you do. Uh, so <laughs> we there's this really long outro, and there's no drums on it on the on the recording. But I started kind of kind of ripping off Boris's parts from a song called uh, "If Only Tonight I Could Sleep." off the okay. Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me record. Uh,
0: that was me last night with my booster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's me with my jet lag. I'm just like yeah. I'm trying to sleep at weird times. And, but yeah, <laughs> so uh, I'm sort of paying homage to, to Boris a little bit. And yeah, I just think he's a fantastic player, but I don't know what he's doing now. I've never met him. So
0: let me actually play a little bit of that song. You said If Only I Could Sleep?
1: Is it Only tonight We Could Sleep? Oh, I'm probably getting it wrong.
0: Did you have a certain part of that song you wanted me to play, or just kind of the first thirty seconds?
1: It's like whenever the drums kick in, it's just, it's the same part. It's like a loop over and over, but it's just a really cool like little displacement and.
0: Okay. Just kind of vamp on that at the end,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not playing exactly that, but it's that idea that little kind of displaced snare pattern, that little mm, gap, gap, doom, doom. It's all I'm building it around that, basically. Uh,
0: that's yeah. sick. I've never heard that song,
1: yeah. It's cool, that's cool.
0: All right, everyone, I wanted to share some exciting news that the latest season of the podcast Food on Tour has just begun touring drummer and good buddy of mine Mike Robinson who plays with Oliver Tree. He's covered a few gigs for me with Cannons. He's also played with Kay Flay, Delwater Gap, Blame My Youth, and many more. He dives into mouthwatering conversations with professional musicians and artists to uncover their most cherished bars and restaurants to frequent on tour, from hidden gems to five-star meals at iconic establishments around the world. Fans of food, music, and travel can look forward to new episodes every Monday, so download Food on Tour, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and give Mike a, a, a sup for me. What a horrible way to end this. Cheers. Hey, y'all. I wanted to... <laughs> I can't say. I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co., It's an ocean patina 14 by five and a half snare drum. And it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through. The episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at BigFatStandardrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat 5. I want you to get back to the show. But go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour. And I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye um all right so moving on and it's kind of in the same line of what we're talking about but uh record that hit you at the right time in your life and represents a big piece of your artistry and you said disintegration by disintegration, by the disintegration.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah welcome to my cure podcast um <laughs>
0: <laughs> that podcast would probably do well
1: maybe <laughs> if i got the song titles correct uh, <laughs> uh yeah disintegration yeah, that came along at a really important time in my life. I got into it maybe later than I should. I think I was around 20, 21, maybe. I'd been studying at music school and I was kind of obsessed with like really kind of musical stuff and like choppy playing and like, you know, I was studying, you know, I was, I was learning chops basically. Uh, and I got asked to join a band on keyboards and it was actually a band with Martin from, uh, from churches. He was the singer in the band. And he was like, he was also on that music course. And he was like, hey man, like there are keyboard players not around. Do you want to like play keys in my band? And I was like, Yeah, I don't really play keys, but like, okay, cool. Why not? Let's do it. And uh he kind of and the rest of the members of that band got me into disintegration by the cure and that all that kind of world uh kind of eighties, eighties kind of gothy stuff. Uh guess that's what they Kind of that was the kind of wheelhouse that they were in and uh it, it kind of it took me away from all that like super musical, like choppy stuff and like really got me into the kind of music that i've been listening to ever since like it, it, it changed my whole outlook on what music was i think um yeah i just i love that record i come back to it time and time again i could listen to it a hundred times and never get bored of it, it just sounds so beautiful it connects with me on like a really a really deep level that i can't explain it's just like every time i hear the the, the opening of plain song i'm like this is just perfect you know it's got the dark stuff and it's got like plot moments and you know it's awesome
0: did you when you were working with with robert smith did you did you tell him that
1: so i never actually met robert um so, no, I did not tell him that, but I've, I've heard some interviews with the band that they've done with Robert, and they've, they've been pretty uh, upfront with how much they love him, and how much the band changed their life. Uh, and I would uh, put myself in the same category there, you know. Uh, I still can't believe I played on a track that has Robert Smith on it. It's kind of uh, mind blowing my mind every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love, uh, this is a tangent kind of, but I love that he is just stuck with that look. You know, it's like calming. That's up, still Robert.
1: It's amazing. I love that. Like, absolutely just committed. Like, this is what I look like forever. Yeah.
0: Yes. So what, what happened with that band that you played keys in with Martin?
1: Um, we just kind of dissolved, as you do. Like, we started, I don't know, getting a little bit of label interest, and things got a little bit, like, tense. And I don't know. We all kind of, I don't know if we all kind of fell out. We all kind of grew apart. I don't know. I started playing in other bands. I got back into playing drums because I actually stopped for a long time. When I left university, I was just playing keys in that band and not really doing much else, just kind of going out and being stupid. Um started playing drums again and I started picking up session work and here I am and playing with Martin again in a band, which is cool.
0: What 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 turned you off about drums towards toward you know in
1: that time of your life? I don't think anything like specifically turned me off. Like I just I was only really being in that band at that point where I was playing synths. So, and I didn't have like a practice space. I was kind <clears> of <throat> crashing on friends' couches a lot at that point. Like I didn't really have like my own spot or anything. So I couldn't really play. Uh, but that, that, it was just circumstance really. Like I, I didn't really like, wasn't like, I don't want to play drums anymore. I was just like. I can't play drums anymore. I don't have any, I don't have anywhere to play them. I don't have any money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go, yeah, yeah. All right, so number three, and it's a a specific groove that completely changed the way you think about drums. And this is, I love this groove so much.
1: Oh, it's so good. Uh, Yeah, Digital Bath by the Deftones.
0: that groove i it's funny that probably had more of an impact on my playing than i actually realize you know looking back on some of my things if i'm if someone's playing something and i'm like vamping or just doing something during sound check it's like i'll play beats like that just to keep me da yeah.
1: yeah same same absolutely it's i think that's why i chose that track it's i play it a lot still like i'll play that as sound check or like variations on it without realizing uh yeah. you know i i love the way he plays it as well i mean the, the actual part is perfect but all those little little ghost notes and like just uh, just little extra things that just make it so so groovy i guess it's and the drum sound as well it's yeah the sound
0: i actually remember i think i got into 30 seconds to mars before deftones because i i got into deftones later in in, in my life and, and then when I, I think I heard Deftones the first time, I was like, man, these guys are ripping off 30 Seconds to Mars. And oh, my oh, God. Little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Wow. Well, yeah. There's that one drum beat. I can't, I'm not going to just go through all the songs, but it's like, where he starts yeah. off like on a disco beat. It's, I think it's on yeah, that yeah, same yeah. It's, record. Uh, it's
1: on the same record. That is, uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's track four on White Pony.
0: Is it RX Queen?
1: No, no.
0: Okay, I'm just going (laughs) through ones that I was. That was that
1: was really heavy. Shit, it's 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 pretty early on in the record. It's maybe track three. All right, let's let's go. It depends what version of the album though, because they they redid the album with like that kind of new metal tune. They put as the first song, "Back to School." Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't really know it as that record. I think it always started with "Fetichera" or whatever it's called for me. So oh fuck see the see there the tracks that you were like is it our ex queen and i was like no it's not that one it's that one you were aggressively <laughs> said no no yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, the reason why not to not to call out uh, what's his name, Shannon Leto, but he just he blatantly rips off that song in um, from yesterday. The song oh, from really? 30 seconds. It, it's literally that. I don't, I don't that. really know
1: much. Uh, I don't know much of their stuff. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good groove. If you're gonna rip something off, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love that. that. That you know, the moving from like the upbeats to the downbeats and the hi hats, just like genius. I love it.
0: I know. It's like when stuff like that happens, it's like, that's such a simple thing to do. I hope one day in my life, I make a beat. That's like that. That makes someone go, why didn't I think of that? That'd be, you know, to make people air drum in their car and then a drummer to go, okay. Those are my yeah, two yeah. goals.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, all right. So a perform- I- I'm really excited about this one. Actually, no, let's, <laughs> let's skip that one. Cause I want to hear about that one, <laughs> but, uh, uh, your favorite fill choice or moment from a certain record.
1: Ah, yeah. So back to the Deftones, uh, the record before White Pony, and the very first two notes in my own summer.
0: <laughs> for, anyone, for anyone that missed it... I love, too, that he does that, and then the guitar's going crazy, but he keeps a closed hi-hat. He doesn't... I mean, uh, that song could have been a lot heavier at the beginning.
1: Yeah, that's what I love about Abe's playing. He's, he's quite restrained, although, you know, he's, he's such a monster of a player, but he's, he's such a groover, you know, over, I think most other drummers would do the opposite of what he's doing. Is that like an eight-inch tom? It's like- Yeah, it must be, it must be. I mean, like, I definitely don't like, my drums never sound like that, but I love the sound of his drums, you know? Do you You play pretty big sizes, right?
0: I mean, is it a 24-inch kick?
1: At the moment, yeah. At the moment, it's a 24. With the kills, I was, yeah, 24, 13, 16, 18, um, which really worked with them. And like with churches, I changed my setup to like a 22, 13, 15, 16 or something stupid like that. <laughs> I don't know why. I was just like, how can I mix this up? I'll get a 15-inch float on. Why
0: not? <laughs> That's amazing until you're on the road and your head breaks and you like have, yes. can't go to the store.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, we discovered that uh, mid-tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where do you get a 15-inch head? So we're not using that anymore. Yeah, I've got like a clear, clear Vista light at the moment, um, which is a 24-kick, thirty. no, it's a 12-inch rack, and a 16-inch floor tom. But uh, that's the kind of loner kit at the moment. They've built me another clear Vista light. And I've got an extra rack Tom coming. So I'm going to do like 12 and 14 racks and a 16 inch floor, but it's currently like stuck on a freight trailer somewhere. So I don't know if I'm ever going to see it on this tour. It's has yeah, like it's, chase, chase me around the country.
0: Uh, it's but, it's in a, it's in Long Beach right now. Just off. The, it's like 70 huge boats just waiting out there.
1: Yeah, exactly. But
0: do you still have your pink sparkle?
1: I do, yes. It's currently uh, very sadly sitting in the storage facility in LA, uh, but I'm gonna have it shipped to my to my place in Scotland. I think.
0: I almost so, bought uh, that one from Nam like three years ago or four years ago. God, yeah, four years ago at this point. But when they introduced or the reintroduced the pink acrylic, um, that really bright one that basically looked like there was lights in it. It was so you know translucent. But yeah, dude, I love pink.
1: Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think. I wanted one of those pink Vestalites. I still do. Like, I've got a total addiction when it comes to Vestalites. I've got four of them now, maybe four. I've got, like, a a red 70s one. I've got my Tequila Sunrise. uh, And I've got one they built for Questlove, um, which I managed to get, like, the spare parts for it or whatever, and they built me. It's, like, the same pattern as a Tequila Sunrise, and it's blue, pink, and blue, like, bands. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that's really cool. And then I've got my clear one as well. I just love, I love how they look, but I love how they sound as well. I use them on recordings all the time. So
0: cool. No, I've never not been complimented. You know, it's a very easy <laughs> way to, yeah. It's all about looking good, dude. We all, I mean, what, oh, are, we, oh, what yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, so the, I, w- I was excited to hear about this one. So a performance which you either played or witnessed, in this case you witnessed this, that altered your musical course.
1: Yeah. So it was the Kenny G live at the Glasgow concert hall. I believe, uh, in the very early nineties, I was maybe 11 years old, maybe younger. Um, and my parents took me to see him because I started playing saxophone. Did you Um, play everything? What the hell? I don't play it anymore. I mean, (laughs) if you give me a saxophone right now, I wouldn't know what to do with it, but, uh, yeah, I, I did play saxophone very briefly, it turns out. So they took me to see Kenny G. They were like, Yeah, this would be like inspiring for him and like, you know, see someone that's really good at their instrument. And all that happened was I really obsessively watched his drummer. He had this huge dude on the drums and he was just amazing. I I, I don't know his name, I'm not sure who he was. I've tried to find out, but I'm not sure who, who he had playing. But the guy was incredible. And I just found Kenny G to be incredibly boring and like, I wasn't interested in it at all. So like, he, I found him to be so like, I don't know, I just found that so dull that I was like, I'm going to play the drums. I don't want to do that. Like, that's not, that is not for me. So like, he literally stopped me playing the saxophone and play the drums and stuff. Did,
0: did you get a drum set like very shortly after? Or is it just like, I'm going to, this is going to be my, my mistress for a while that I'm not going to tell my parents
1: about? <laughs> my parents were really cool actually like they got me a kit very shortly after I-, I did play drums a little bit before that when i was really young maybe like eight my dad got me this like rubber practice kit and like you know i learned a few grooves and stuff but i was really young so i wasn't like serious about it mm-hmm. but i could i could hold down a couple of grooves or whatever uh, and i went to high school and they're like you do this listening test in, in scotland anyway you do this listening test and if you get above a certain mark they're like, congratulations, you can play a woodwind instrument or a brass instrument. And I was like, what, uh, but I can play those drums already. And they're like, no, 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 I And I actually wanted to play the trombone, but uh, I'm quite a short person, but uh, I was very, very, very small at that point. You know, it was like 11. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to play the trombone and I couldn't actually reach the end of the thing because <laughs> my arms were so short. Yeah. So I defaulted to saxophone and then defaulted back to drums because I was like, I don't like this.
0: Well, Johnny, um, yeah, dude. All right, well, I literally have to go. I have all my stuff is like so scattered about right here. I look like I'm like in some (laughs) in prison video right now because I just moved into this new spot. Plus I'm leaving, so it's like this. Yeah. Anyways, I will talk to you later then.
1: Yeah, safe travels, man. Thanks, man. You too. Peace. See you later.
0: And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe, and if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 audio editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at iZotope.com. Bye.